Okay. Hey, grab a Bible if you have one. Turn to the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 17, if you would. John 17. We're in this series where we're talking about our values, and it's called We Are Cornerstone. And some of you are familiar with these values. Some of you may not be as familiar with our values. They're on a wall that's in the lobby. They're on our website, those types of things. But we want to spend a few weeks just talking about what do we mean by these things that we say. Like, we believe these things. And it's not just a belief statement, right? So that's part of it, right? You, you, your values should really be birthed out of what your belief statement is and what you believe about the scriptures and um, the Father and the Trinity and the Son and the Holy Spirit and salvation and all of those things like your belief statement. But then comes these, these values that you have. And values are something that you really, you really hold dear. Like these are things that you hold dear, things that you're going to pursue And that's what we're talking about today. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but in particular in our culture today, um, there's this collision that's taking place. Um, And in fact, I actually was was a witness to part of this collision this morning. Um, I've been a a witness to it actually over the last um, several months and years as things continue to unfold. And here's the collision. The collision is that we're, we're living in a time, it seems, where um, there's really two things that are happening. One is um, there's this lack of respect or a lack of recognition of authority. And I don't know if you reckon, there were actually a few grumblings right there. I don't know if it's like grumblings in a good way, like, that's right, pastor, preach it, or grumblings in a bad way of, oh, here he goes, talking about authority again. I don't know which one that was. Yeah, okay, there you go. So this lack of respect for authority, and here's where, as I've kind of been watching this unfold and, and even wrestle with it in my own life, right? Like, I'm wrestling with this thing with authority as well, and I, and I really believe what it, what it boils down to in the life of a believer is, is this. What do you believe about truth? And here's why I think that those two things are together, right? Because as a follower of Jesus, if you believe in things that are true, and you believe in what we call truth, right, then you're looking at the scriptures and you realize that, one, the scriptures are true. And if the scriptures are true, then as a follower of Jesus, you really should look at the scriptures from a perspective of, they have authority over my life. Right Now, if the scriptures are made up, then they don't really have any weight to them. There's no authority there. But if you do believe that they're true, then they should have some weight and, and provide for you just an understanding of what does authority look like. Now, the problem is that we live in a culture, right, that seems to be very much against authority. In fact, most people that I'm kind of running up against and rubbing shoulders with, and maybe I just have the wrong kinds of friends, I'm not sure, they they really see authority more as a suggestion. Have you figured that out? Like it's more of a suggestion. And, And here's how this played out for me this morning, right? So I actually dashed in here at the very last minute. I'm sure there were some few folks that were panicking of whether or not I would make it this morning, uh, because I, I was uh, supposed to help my daughter unload at USCB at 8 o'clock. I thought, we have a 30-minute window, we're going to unload, and I'm going to come to church and I'm going to preach. I didn't know it would take like an hour and a half to get through the line, right? So here's how authority plays out. So I'm texting my wife, I parked in a different parking lot, and I'm kind of walking around and I get to this place where I'm like, man, this line is forever. 
And I actually recommend, I'm like, hey, if you get to a certain point, I'll just move the barricades. <laughs> but then I had to stand up here and talk about authority, right? <laughs> so I didn't do that. But there was another guy who did. <laughs> and I did not tell my wife to sneak in behind him. I did not. But that's what happens, isn't it? We, we think we know better at different times. And so, because we think we know better, we just say, hey, we're going to do it my way. Isn't there an old song that goes that way? Some of you are like, that's my favorite song. It's a horrible song. <laughs> but that's, that's how a lot of us view authority. We're living in this age where, like, you know, I mean, you know this. Like, you hear the stories. Teachers, or I'm, I'm sorry, students don't respect teachers. Teachers don't respect the administration. And we're kind of looking around and, you know, employees don't respect bosses. And their bosses don't respect their bosses. And they're blasting all this stuff out there on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. Like, all that stuff's everywhere because we, we don't have this, this value of saying, you know what? I do believe that there is authority, right? Everybody wants to be like an equal. And honestly, like in, in the workplace, I don't know that that's supposed to be how it is, right? I mean, Paul talks about that in the scriptures. And so we're struggling with authority, but here's where I think it's birthed out of, from what, from what I can tell is, I just think it's birthed out of, what do you believe about truth? And if you don't believe in any kind of an absolute truth, Right? Then, then you're going to buck the system and you're going to go, well, there's, no, there's nothing that's true. So if your boss comes to you and says, hey, I want you to do it this way. And you're like, well, I don't think you, it, it's the right way to do it. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And I was kind of like that. You know, I had a math teacher when I was in high school. I'm like, well, I don't want to do it that way. I can do it this way in my head and I get the right answer. Why do I have to do it your way? And, I, and that's what happens, right? We just kind of go through life and that's what begins to unfold so often because we don't hold this value of truth. So the question for us, right, as we follow Jesus, what do you believe about truth? What do you believe about truth? Do, do you look at the scriptures and do you, do you believe that the scriptures are true? So, so there's words like, and we've talked about these words before, there's words like inerrant. Do you believe that the, the scriptures are inerrant? And most of you are like, well, if I actually knew what that word was, sure, I would believe that they're inerrant. The word infallible, same thing, like you're going to hear the word infallible at different times, but really what it boils down to is this, because those, those definitions all have to do with like the original copies of the scriptures, which we don't have. So it's really a statement of faith. But do you believe the scriptures are true and trustworthy? And if you believe the scriptures are true and trustworthy, are you willing to say like, this is the authority that I have for my life? That's what it boils down to. Is how do you view truth? Now, you can view truth. We live in a culture that's looking at truth from actually different lens too, right? So the, the, there's, there's a few different ways that we talk about truth. One is, well, you know, what might be true for you may not be true for everyone, right? So your truth isn't necessarily someone else's truth, and that's part of the culture that we live in. Uh, there's another part of it that says, you know, there absolutely is no truth at all whatsoever. And so they're just denying the presence of any kind of truth. And then there's the others that say, well, there is, there is an absolute truth. There is something that is true, something that is trustworthy. And as a follower of Jesus, we're saying we find that in the scriptures. And so 
you have those three things that are unfolding in someone's life. It's like for me, for, for my life, and the way this unfolded this past week was, I, I drive, um, because some of you have not found it in your heart to give me a brand new Jeep Wagoneer. <laughs> I don't know what the problem is on that. Um, I drive, for most of the time, I drive um, a 2007 Hyundai Santa Fe, right? I mean, it's, it's a rocking car. And... Um, by the way, for some of you that wanted to know, namely my mom and dad, I did get the windshield repaired yesterday. So now I don't have this huge crack in the windshield. But anyway, um, there's a lot of things that are wrong with my car, uh, but it drives for the mo- most of the time. My daughter did borrow it the other day, and it did, the battery died, and somebody had to jump it. Anyway, um, this past week I was driving it. One of the things that's broken on my 2007 Santa Fe is the gas gauge. You know where I'm going. Um, does anybody else have a gas gauge that's broken? Oh, a few of you. Okay, great. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when I have a broken gas gauge, I'm tracking it by the mileage when I reset the odometer for the trip. It makes sense, right? Like you're following that? Perfectly fine. So I've gone, I've driven as many as 409 miles on one tank of gas. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. 409 miles. I, I believe I could have gone farther but I chose not to. It's the same. So this week I was driving. I had gone up to Ridgeland. I was looking at something. As we're getting ready to launch this campus, I went and up. I was looking at something with a friend of mine. And I was on my way back, and I'm driving down 462. I'm way back to Bluffton. And I'm cruising faster than I should have been. I will admit that. I was going faster than I should have been. And all of a sudden, I lose all power in my car. I'm like, what's wrong with my car? I mean, I've been wanting the thing to die anyway, right? Like, I've been waiting for this thing to die. It just won't die. And so I lose power, and I'm like, I'm I'm cruising pretty fast, so it takes me a minute to realize, like, I don't have power steering. Like, the car stopped running. And so finally I just kind of pull off, and I pull down into the grass, and I'm like, man, what's wrong with the car? And I look at the gas gauge, and sure enough, 346 miles on my odometer. Now you're doing the math, I'm doing the math, and I'm sitting there going, I got, I got plenty of gas. Like I got 53, 55, I mean I got miles to go. So I'm thinking it's not the gas, something else wrong with the car. So I start the car back up, it starts and it stops, and then I realize, man, I'm out of gas. Call my wife, whole, whole thing unfolds. Anyway, fortunately, I didn't go to Parker's, I wanted to, 13 bucks for a one-gallon gas can. You want to talk about expensive gas when you run out of gas? Like, you're paying 13 bucks for the gas can and then, like, three ninety for the gallon. Like, this was nuts. I said, I'm not doing that. I called, I called Jake Vandenbosch, said, come get me, and he did. That's the beauty of having good friends. We're going to talk about that next week. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I'm, when I'm running out of gas, when I ran out of gas and I'm sitting on the side of the road, Imagine if I had approached it like our culture approaches truth. I can sit there and I can say, well, it's not true. I'm not out of gas. There's 346 miles on my odometer, and I know that I can drive 409 miles. And I can deny it all that I want. But at the end of the day, that car is not moving unless I put some gas in it or I shift it in neutral and I start pushing it myself. Like, that's how that car is moving. And we're living in a culture like that's how they're viewing it. They're looking at a car that's out of gas and they're saying, but it's not out of gas. It's not out of gas. And the culture, you know, truth is going, it's out of gas. 
And then somebody else comes along and they said, well, I can drive 500, I can drive 520 miles on my wife's car. So you should have plenty of gas because it's true for my wife's car. So it must be true for your car as well. And you're like, no, it's not true. There is, there is this standard of truth for all of us in our life. And what I want you to know is that at Cornerstone Church, we, we have a high regard for the scriptures. Our, our, our belief statement or our value statement says this, like because we believe, right? Because we believe growing people change. There's two parts to this. Because we believe growing people change, we strive to teach the word. And by the word, we mean the word of God. And so the first part of that is we believe that growing people change. So we believe that in your life, you should be and I should be changing, which is hopefully why, you know, when we're in a line that, well, they may not be executing the way that we think they should be executing, we don't move the barricade, right? And you might go, well, what's wrong with that? Well, it's, it's, it's an authority issue, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm sending my daughter to college, right? That's, that's what we have to see. Like, I'm sending my daughter to college, and I want her to respect those who are in authority over her. And if I walk in and say, you know what, this doesn't make any sense. I think I know a better way, then I'm just going to move it. What does that teach her? And some of you are like, ah. Oh. And I'm like that too a lot with my kids. Realizing that I want to teach them to respect authority. It doesn't mean that authority is always right, by the way. right? But there's still those Scripture teaches us there are those that God has placed in authority over you. There are kings and governors and people who are in a position of authority, and God has placed them there. And we're living in a culture that says, we don't care. But as a follower of Jesus, you and I both need to care. Let's look at John 17 for a minute. We're going to look at a couple of places as we walk through this. But uh, it's real simple. Like, because we believe growing people change, we strive to teach the Word. This is what it looks like. John 17, uh, 13 to 15. Just a few verses, and then we're going to jump to a couple other places. This Now, I am coming to you. Uh, I told them many things while I was with them. This is Jesus, and he's praying. This is, this is called his, his high priestly prayer. This is his, his last conversation with the Father before he is betrayed, before he goes to the cross. And so we're, we're kind of getting this picture into how he's praying, right? So some people think, well, the Lord's prayer is, is our only example of a prayer that Jesus prays, and that's actually not true, right? This is actually a little picture into how he prays, and this is the conversation that he's having with the Father. Now I'm coming to you, he's talking to the Father, and I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. You might want to circle, highlight, and underline that particular phrase. Because you're, you're living, and I'm living, in a time where, where there's this tension that's going on, right? You've got to understand this. We all have to understand this. Um, when we hold true to what the Scriptures are teaching, the world is not going to like us. Right? That's what, he's, that's what he's getting at. He's like, I've, I've taught them your word, right? And the world is, is, not, is not going to like them. In fact, he just says the world's going to hate them because they don't belong to the world. You're, you're separate from the world, just as I do not belong to the world. 
He says this, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than, I'm sorry, any more than I do. He says this, verse 17, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Some of you, and you might be in this current like generation, right? You might be you might be one of those. I don't even know what they call this generation. You got your millennials, and then somebody after them. But <laughs> and even like I'm a Gen Xer. Some of you are baby boomers, and we all we all struggle with this this whole idea of truth and authority. And as a follower of Jesus, what you've got to realize is that Jesus made it very very clear. His word is truth. His word is truth. And, and as a follower of Jesus, as you look into the scriptures, like you, you begin to see things differently. You, you should begin to see yourself differently. You should begin to go through what we would call this transformation that takes place. Now, it's not going to happen overnight, right? That's why we say you don't have to change your life. You need to come to Jesus and he'll change your life. Right? But see, there's so many people who still want to come to Jesus, but they still want to live life on their terms. It's like, no, when you come to Jesus, that's what we were talking about a couple weeks ago, like you're submitting to His Lordship. You're submitting to His authority over your life. It doesn't mean you're going to get it right all the time, but you should be in this process. It's called sanctification. And you're in this process of change in your life. Constantly. So some of you are sitting there like, man, I've been in church for like 50 years. Great. Did you know that you still should be changing? Some of you just came to Christ last week and you want to know something? You should be changing. Some of you read the Bible this past week. And as you read the scriptures and your life is exposed to the truth, you, you should be changing. Your life should be different as you follow Jesus and as you are looking into the truth, right? So a couple of things. This is the... If you're filling the blank person, I want to give you the blanks because I usually forget about that. So we teach the word because we believe the word is truth. Like that's the blanks. Like we teach the word because we, te- we believe the word is truth. And we believe that. So um, when, I, when I stand up here on a Sunday, you know, I'm, I'm taking the scriptures and we're going to talk about the scriptures. And I, listen, I don't, I don't preach verse by verse. In fact, I don't really know of a person that genuinely preaches verse by verse. I, I have probably, I don't know, 10 different commentaries like different commentators in, in, that I read from different times, and I can't tell you how many times they skip over the hard stuff. They just they do skip over the hard stuff. So I just want to tell you that. Like I try to address the hard stuff, but at the end of the day, I don't know of anybody that genuinely teaches verse by verse on a Sunday morning. Like there's a there's time for that. There's time for time for that in Sunday school, but like or not Sunday school Bible study. But you get to that place where. I mean, if we're going to preach through verse by verse, I, I don't see very many sermon series on, like, Leviticus. Right? It's like, hey, we're going to preach through Leviticus. And it's like Leviticus 3.16, where he says, all fat is of the Lord. Like, let's talk about that. But what I, what I do want you to know is that I, I'm, going to, I'm going to teach the Scriptures. I'm going to talk about the Scriptures. Now, I try to take, like, when we're in a passage, I'll try to take these passages and break them down like that but i want you to see the scriptures and not only that but i want you to apply the scriptures that's really what i have to stand on when i'm standing here on a sunday morning is the scriptures 
I, I mean, I can put together a talk if you want me to, but that's not really what church is. Church is about looking at the scriptures because I believe, this is what I believe, I believe that as we, as a church, as a community of people are digging into God's word, we will be changed by his truth. Right? So let's talk three things real quick just about this. The first one comes from Hebrews 4. So let's turn there if you have a Bible. Turn to Hebrews 4, um, verses 12 and 13. So some of you are kind of familiar with some of these, um, some of these passages that we're going to turn to. But here you go. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 says this. Um, and you've probably heard this. So, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Isn't that great? You're like, ah. That might be why some of you don't read it, by the way. Some of you may not read the scriptures. I went through a season in my life. I told my wife this years and years and years ago. One of the reasons I stopped reading the Bible was because I knew what God wanted me to do, and I didn't want to do it. I was like Jonah, right? So, but every time I read the Bible, it was like very clear, plain as day. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And I'm like, I don't want to do that, so I'm just not going to read the Bible. And some of you are ignoring reading the Bible because you know, like, you know that God's going to tell you you should stop living life that way. And you're like, but I want to live life this way, so I'm just going to, you make a choice. I'm just going to ignore what the scriptures say. So I stopped reading. You come to church, and you kind of check it off your list, but, you know, I mean, you're not, you're not really taking the scriptures as we're talking about them going, oh, so that's what the scriptures mean. That's what we're talking about when this happens. But what, <clears throat> what the writer of Hebrews is saying, he says, listen, man, the word of God is alive and powerful, and, and it's sharp. I mean, like razor sharp. Like, I bought one of my kids a new knife um, a few weeks ago, and I know you might call me a bad dad, but it's all right. Um, and, and, and within minutes, it seemed like he cut himself. <laughs> like, I just cut myself. I think he was even folding it, putting it away. I don't know. But that's what happens, right, when it's sharp. Brand new, out of the box, you know, flips it open, you know, kind of cuts a piece of cardboard or something, folds it away. It's like nicks his finger, you know. And that's what, that's what we're talking about with the Word of God. Like, it's sharp. So, like, you, you consider, and some of you have really dull knives. I have dull kitchen knives, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I can't hardly cut anything in my kitchen, it seems, when I'm trying to cut something. But what they're saying is the Word of God, it's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And what it does to you, man, is it, it's like dissecting your life. It's going after your heart. And it's trying to teach you and instruct you and challenge you and convict you. I mean, all of those things. And you're sitting there and you're reading it. You're reading it. At least this is what it should be doing. Like, you should open up God's Word when you open it up. Some of you are like, man, I have my devotions every morning. Great. What, how is your life different today because you read the Scriptures this morning? Right? What are you doing differently today because you read the Scriptures this morning? Are you speaking differently when it says let your grace always be seasoned with salt or let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt? That's what he says in Colossians. You're like, I didn't read that. <laughs> he talks about, you know, living this life of compassion, right? Letting your compassion be poured out on other people in their time of need. You're like, I didn't read that either. I read Leviticus 3.16 where it says all fat is of the Lord. So I went and had another little Debbie cake. Like, that's what I read. Hebrews is saying, man, when you will open the Word of God, 
And you will, you will open your life up and say, okay, here I am. Teach me. Here I am. Challenge me. Here I am. Change me. Man, that double-edged sword goes to work. Dissecting these different areas of your life. And man, it hurts at first. For those of you who have gone through it, you're like, yeah, it does. It hurts. But then you realize, man, following Jesus is the best decision I've ever made in my life. And so every time I change and my life is different, my life is better. Not by my terms, but by his terms. Right? And so that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. So, so think of it this way. Like the truth, three things that we're going to talk about. The first one is that it just transforms us. It transforms us. There's so many places in Scripture that you see this. Hebrews 4, talking about that dissecting thing that's happening in your life. Nothing in all creation, verse 13, is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. And He is the one to whom we are accountable. Did you know that? Some of you are like, oh, I didn't know that and I don't want to know that. But it's what, what He's saying. is that you're You're accountable. I mean, one day we all, we all have to stand before God and, and, and you think that those, the one judgment, which is the, the book of life, and it's open, you're like, man, my name's in there, I'm cool. But it's like, yeah, but then you have to stand before Jesus and you have to give an account with what you've done, with what you've been given. And you're like, uh-oh. I didn't read that part. But it's there. And, and you have to give an account for that. Did you think about it? So every... You know, you have to give an account for, you know, these gifts. Talk about your spiritual gifts, strengths, and talents. We're going to talk about that at the end of August. But that's one of the things you're talking about. What have you been doing? What have you done with the gifts that you've been given? Right? Uh, what, have you, what have you done with the resources? Like, we live in this incredibly blessed culture, don't we? Like, some of you are like, yeah, we do. My house increased in value by 50% overnight. Can you believe it? I got 37 offers on my house in one weekend. Right? What are you going to do with what you've been given? Right? And, and we have to give an account for that. And as you follow Jesus, and as you seek to apply His Word to your life, and you're being transformed, you start to value those things differently. You start to see those things differently. And then you start to live differently. And so not only is the world like mad at you, but then they're looking at you going, man, you are crazy! And you're going, yes I am. By the world's standard. But I'm not trying to live life by the world's standard. I'm trying to live life by God's standard. And this is what it looks like for me. So it transforms us. You know, Romans 12 is one of those places, right, where he talks about um, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you start, if you start taking all of those things, like be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, you can jot that down. But then he goes to uh, Philippians chapter 4, and he says, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, he says, what? Think on these things. And you start piecing those things together, and you begin to understand how you, spending time in the Word of God, will transform your life, 
It will transform your thinking. It will transform your behavior. It will transform your actions. It will transform your relationships. It will transform your marriage. It will transform your finances. It will transform all of those things if you just look at the Word and say, okay, here I am. Teach me. Instruct me. Challenge me. Change me. That's what we're talking about, okay? So it transforms us. Number two is this, um, is it nourishes us. Now, this is an interesting word, right, as we talked about Little Debbie snack cakes, um, which, by the way, some Little Debbies you are not allowed to eat in other countries. I didn't know that until recently. So um, because of their lack of nourishment value, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, nourishes us. Second Peter, or I'm sorry, First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Right? This is, this is good. This is just rich stuff right here. He says this. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. How you doing with that? <laughs> right? We look at that. But here's the change. He's, you know, Paul, Paul would give a list like that. And Paul would then go, but instead... You know, it's like he's trying to encourage us. Paul does. He says, do away with these things and instead pursue these things. And, and Peter's kind of doing the same thing. But what he does is he says, listen, you've, you've got to do away with that stuff, right? You've got to do away with evil behavior, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. And, he, and really what I believe is he's kind of giving you this formula. Some of you weren't great math people, so you didn't like the, you know, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. You're like, I don't even know what that means. And, and he goes, this, he says this, he says, so if you want to get rid of those things, then you, you need to go back to being like this newborn baby. You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation, right? So it's like you're going to, uh, you're going to crave the, the pure milk, in another translation would say, of God's Word, right? So that by it you would grow up in regards to your salvation. In other places, even in the book of Hebrews, he's saying, can we, can we just at some point, like, can we move past the elementary teachings? And some of you are just still hanging out there. And you need to move and you need to grow up. And that's what Peter wants you to do. He wants you to grow up. And, and when you will pure, long for the pure milk of God's word, then by it, your, your faith, that's what we're talking about, your faith will be nourished in a way that's growing healthy, right? Now, here's the, here's the picture, right? The choice that a lot of us make is we can open up the scriptures and we can be nourished by them and therefore grow up. Or, or we can ignore the scriptures. And then we can say, I'm just going to listen to everything that the world has to say. And I don't know if you know this, but not everything that's out there on the internet is true. That's <laughs> shocking for some of you, I know. But yet sometimes that's all we're feeding our minds. Is the stuff that's out there. We're feeding our minds, we're feeding our minds, we're feeding our minds. And that's it. It's, it's essentially garbage in, garbage in, garbage in, garbage in, garbage in. And there comes a point where if that's all that's going in, then, then you're not growing stronger. And, and what, what the writer, what, what Peter is saying in First Peter, he's like, man, I really want you to grow up. I really want you to grow out of pursuing your evil desires. I really want you to grow out of 
um, jealousy and fits of rage. I want you to grow, grow out of those things. And here's how you can do that. If you, will, if you will long for the pure milk of God's word, like, like, a, like a child is yearning, right, for, for milk. Pure milk is like, man, I want that. I don't want what the world's offering. Some of you, man, I'm telling you, I know this sounds crazy, but you, you really should turn off the news. You, sh- you should turn off the... I don't care if it's like well-balanced and Christian news. You should turn it off sometimes and instead just open up the Word of God and say, challenge me, feed me, nourish me, change me. It's all I need right here, right here in the pages of the book. It's all I need. I don't need anything else. This is it. It nourishes your life, your faith. Your faith will not grow strong if you're not spending time in the Word of God. It won't. You, you can sit there, you can read, I mean, you can, even t- you can even read other people in your devotions. Like, you can read, and there's some great guys out there. Like, I love Charles Swindoll. There's a lot of these older guys. Like, we read some of that even as a staff. Miles Stanford is one guy that we read it's in a book called The Green Letters. Like, we're reading some of that stuff, and it's great. But if that's all you're reading, listen, you're still missing out on God's Word. You need to be in God's Word for yourself. Not what somebody else thinks. Not what somebody else wrote. Like, dig in on your own and long for the, the Word of God so it will nourish your faith, so that your faith grows strong and it becomes your faith and it's not the faith of somebody else. There's a lot of guys who have written some amazing things and their faith is strong. And your faith doesn't need to be their faith. Your faith needs to be your faith built on the Word of God and His faithfulness. Right? You sang that last song. And some of you are sitting there and you're going, man, we should have sung that hymn. And I agree. Great is thy faithfulness. And when you get to know that for yourself, it's a game changer. Game changer. Last thing, right? Here we go. Um, is this, is, is Psalm 119-105, which by the way, um, there's not a chapter in the scriptures that talk more about the Word of God than Psalm 119. So you can go read it and you can go count how many times there's a reference to either the Word of God, the Law of God, I mean all of those things. Psalm 119-105 is just one of them. And you're, you're probably super familiar with this particular one, but... Uh, and, it's, and it really goes to this, it's this, that the word of God, the truth, would lead us. Psalm 109, uh, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Some of you are like, I just thought that was a song. Yeah. It's a song. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So I know where to step. I know where the path is. Where, where do you want me to go? And it's like, I'm following after. And that's what the Word of God does for us. When we will look into the Word of God, He will lead and guide and direct us. When you don't know what to do, when you don't know a decision that you need to make, you should be in the Word of God as you make that decision. Right? Because the Word of God will lead you in that way. 
It will direct your steps. You think about it. I mean, I've shared this illustration before, but you know this illustration. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into this room, this very room, um, and it's been dark. And I'm, and I'm feeling my way around, right? I think I know where the aisle is. I think I can walk straight down. But, man, when I turn my flashlight on and I'm walking, don't I feel so much more secure? When you're in your house and, and you know, you turn, all of a sudden the lights are all on and then they go off, you turn them off and you're like, whoa, your eyes are adjusting, you can't see anything and you're feeling your way around. If you got kids, there's probably something on the floor, right? And you're going to step on it. Well, when you have light, you can see it and you can walk around it. But when it's dark, you can't see it and you step on it and then you're using language you probably shouldn't use and your kids here again and the whole thing falls apart for you. The Word of God is a lamp that lights your path. Now here's the thing, and this is what gets really, really hard for us, and this is one of the things that somewhat drives me crazy with people. You will never be led by God to do something that contradicts God's Word. Let me say that again. You will never be led by God to do something that contradicts God's Word. And I hear people at different times, and they'll tell me, they're, they're walking down a path that they shouldn't be walking. They're saying, I believe the Lord's leading me to do this. And I want to tell you, He's not leading you to do that. Because it contradicts what His Word says. And if it contradicts what His Word says, then He's not the one leading it. You're just singing the old song that says, I want to do it my way. And you're trying to justify it. And you're trying to use God as an out for you. Aren't you glad you came today? I'm telling you. He'll never lead you to do something that contradicts His Word. It won't happen. He's never done it. He's never going to do it. Period. He just hasn't. So if you find yourself reading the Word of God and, and you're saying, but, but I believe He's leading me to do this instead of that, guess what? This is your true north. This is your true north. Like that little voice you hear at that time that's telling you to do something that contradicts this, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's not. This is your true north. This is where you're looking. You're going, this is where I am. And I am following after this. And it might be hard. And it might be challenging. And it might be difficult. And it might hurt. But if the Word of God is telling you to do it, then can I just tell you, you should do it? Like, you should do it. I know, I know we all want to do it our way. That's why we struggle with authority. That's why we want to move the barricades. That's why some of you don't want to listen to our parking lot team that's out there. You're welcome, John. But that's why. Why? Because we, we think we know better. And I get it. Like, they may not know the perfect way. And some of you had studied, like, um, the way traffic patterns should work. And you're thinking, man, I, should, I know this better than they know it. But you know what you don't know better? It's the Word of God. 
and you don't know better than God knows. Can I tell you that? You don't know better than God knows. And he will never lead you to do something that contradicts his word, period. And when you will say, this is my true north. This is what I'm going to follow after. This is my filter through which I'm going to make decisions. This is what I'm going to follow in my life. That I'm telling you, your life will be transformed in a way that you never thought possible. Relationships will be healed, right? Wounds will be healed. Relationships will be restored. Like, it's amazing what happens when we say, yes, God, I will do this, even though I don't necessarily want to do it. This is my true north. And I'm going to go after it. And what I want you to know is that this is what we're going to hold to as a church. This is what we believe. We believe growing people change. I believe your life, I believe my life should be changing in a way that gives us a heart that's more after Jesus. And as we do that, right, the word becomes even more alive, more powerful more active. So listen, I just want to challenge you, right? As you open this word, get into the habit of reading this. Some of you, if you're not reading the word daily, you should find a way to read the word daily. I don't care if it starts with one verse. Put the Bible app on your phone. There's a verse of the day. Have it sent to you. I don't know how you're going to make it a habit, but you need to make it a habit. Then what you do after you make it a habit is you walk into it with open hands and you say, yes, God, Challenge me, teach me, instruct me, change me. I am here. Allow your word to do the dissecting in my life and see what happens as a result of it. I'm telling you, your life will be different in a way that you never thought possible. So get after it. We want to become a people who are after the word of God and what it will do in our lives. Let me pray for us. And we're going to sing one more song before we dismiss. Uh, thank you guys for being here. And I hope that this week, listen, in, the, in, your, in your discipleship guide, if you're somebody who's been following that, and I think there's a few that are available at the Hub, what we've done is I've broken down a few passages of Scripture, or not broken down, but I've, I've actually listed them, whole chapters, and I've given you a way, if you're somebody who wants to kind of dig a little bit deeper, I've given you just a model that you can follow, right, to spend a little more time in the Scriptures this week right? So you can look into that and you would, some of you might be, I don't know what to do other than read. So this would be one way that could help you, right? To dig in a little bit deeper into the word. Let's pray together. Stand with me. If you would, then we're going to sing one song. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you that you, you love us enough that you've preserved it throughout all of this time. That something that was written over the course of thousands of years by um, multiple authors, authors sharing one story. God, that's incredible. Thank you for preserving it for us. I pray that you would help us as a people to long for it in the way that you want us to. That we would long for your word more than we would long for our favorite television show, more than we would long for our favorite news feed, more than we would long for our favorite social media stuff. God, that we would long for your word that way. Thank you for what you're going to do as we become people of the word. And it's in his, Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Let's see.